learn as much as you can before and you're going to make mistakes but try and narrow down that level of mistakes you're going to be making by learning by putting at least a year and a half of into it and maybe use that money rather for film school or like a short program or something mm. yeah because moving because movie making isn't a, a race to the finish line it's more a race for quality i think that if you've got a phone then definitely use that in the learning process shoot little little things by yourself and cut them together and see how see how it works, you know? Hi, I'm Mark. I'm Yaku. And I'm Kaylin. And welcome back to Department Spotlight. It's the show where we talk to our friends and colleagues about their experiences in the film industry. And in this episode, it's part two of our Loop Pictures responds to Reddit questions. So let's get into it. <laughs> Food on film sets? This question is from user Buried Hatchet YT. So I make short films with a very small crew and we rarely ever eat on set. Can anyone with more experience tell me what you've eaten on a bigger budget film set? Just super curious as to what is catered. I always see head chef and catering bar in film credits and I'm just genuinely curious what the catering consists of. Thanks. Well, straight out of the gate, man. Feed your crew, man. Feed, feed your feed people. Your people. What? They're probably not eating and you're saying it's okay, but they, they are probably hungry. Yeah, well, we spoke about this in a different podcast. But, like, you got to feed your people, man. And no matter how small your budget is, I feel like a budget should always be contributed. Yeah. Just, Even if your the whole budget goes to food, there has to be food. Yeah, because... Not just for like legal reasons, but also just for energy levels in terms of for actors and crew. Like it just, yeah. like even if they say they're not hungry and stuff, maybe sometimes it's just being modest, like keeping the energy levels good because it's like the smallest thing that helps with morale. I think yeah. food is like I mean, one of that basic things. Being hangry is a thing. And like, especially towards the end of the film day, your cinnies who are like carrying cameras, moving lights, grips, those people get super grumpy if they don't feed them. Especially if you have a grumpy AD, like he's going to go from Yo. being like just grumpy to being like, I'm going to kill you. I'm, and like, I'm like, curious, Mr. Wait, what's his name? Buried Hatchet YT. Are people grumpy on your set? Because that's probably why. Yeah, and even like, even if like, okay, like I know you said you were small budget with your friends and even if they are like okay with it and stuff, I don't think it's something like, I think just for the sake of having good energies and good vibe, like I think it's going to be something that's a bad habit to go into moving on that if you do have others to have it be a lost thought food be a lost thought it's kind of a bad habit to have um so i think just to like for your next project just even if it is your friends and they don't complain i think just have it there because it's a good habit to start getting into and friends will appreciate it and they will want to come on to more sets because it just gives a, a better energy it's the smallest thing you can do to bring on a better energy yeah and i think even if even if you don't have the money to pay for it yourself tell them Bring some money and then we'll put it together and we'll get stuff for everyone. Yeah. Just eat. Because he said, he specifically said, we don't eat on set. Like, just eat. Especially because <laughs> he didn't, I don't know if he specified the work hours, but it, like, if it's three or four hours, then maybe that's okay. But like, if it's a full work day, you, you have to have some food on set. And just to answer his question, I guess, on things we've had on set, like I think from smaller budgets, Jackie, you can talk to you about things you yeah. brought on. Um, we've had many things. Pizza is a, is a very cheap one. Just get one pizza, you get like eight slices. So that's cool. Um, otherwise, we've been like catering things. Um, we don't have like head chef or whatever, but we do have 
the catering company usually it used to be just like platters and then because since covid they've like boxed it up nicely into boxes but uh, what's in there is usually like quiches little um uh, there's like a dessert thing like a brownie there's uh sausages chicken wings vegan options i don't know what's in there as well but just like just like finger food basically and enough of that to fill a person for half a day yeah and in conjunction with the, the actual meal that you get we also have a craft table that's just basically yeah. like snacks, like back of chips, some crisps, crisps, wherever you are in the world, one of those things, some chocolates, some like, you know, like uh, natural uh, bars, like uh, the granola bars and things like that. Um, and water and juice. I don't know if there's water and juice on this guy's sets, but you know, the basics. Yeah, has, bro, there has to be water. Has to be water and juice, not just like a tap or something, you know, it's just yeah. something like that for the crew. And then when you go on to bigger sets, uh, it's obviously there. There is obviously the head yeah. shift and the caterers that they bring out, and it's like like the eighties and all that. Know that like when it's time for lunch, there's nothing more important because it's law that they have to take a break. They have yeah. to eat after a certain amount of hours. So, you know, when you get onto the bigger sets, obviously it's bigger meals. It's it's more catered towards the certain actors and certain mm-hmm. people's preferences. Um, but yeah, you can't really say what it is, but it's. Depends on what obviously the Cajun company provides, and there's always a craft table, and yeah, it's just a legality, and also just for pure humanitarian reasons, have that lunch break, have them eat something. Um, yeah. I can't really talk on what people will is. feel better. People will feel better afterwards, and you'll just have a better set. Yeah, especially if you small, if you're small cast and crew, and you can't afford to pay uh, people, or or you can't afford to pay their full rates or whatever. I mean. Food will go. Food goes a long way, yeah. and not just for short films for corporate videos. Usually, that's also it's provided on those sets. Music videos, even nice, just have a nice, nice snack afterwards or something like that. You know, um, it's just a nice way for people that you're hiring that you can't really afford to pay that much. It's just a nice way to say thank you. So, yeah, man, food's a big thing. Yeah, pastries are pretty good as well. Yeah. Just, just something. So, yeah, it doesn't have to be expensive. Just something that shows that yeah. you appreciate. It helps too. Bury the hatchet at the end. Yeah, one one last thing was um, I listened to this food podcast called uh, Off Menu um, and Noah Schnapp was on there and they were talking about catering on these like different film sets. He said on one film set they'll have like a catering uh, truck um, and then people can go there and then order whatever they want from that catering truck but then on like uh that's a sort of that was kind of like a i think he was like a, it was like a medium budget ish film um which is still incredibly high budget but and then on you know a film he did with like tom hanks and steven spielberg that was like apparently like michelin star level food what really and just like wow. buffets of crazy yeah. stuff so wow. that 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 must be insane Look at uh, Robert Downey Jr. on the set of Avengers as well. Like he just hires out his own catering just for his friends yeah. and actors, and then they invite him to the, the, his caravan, caravan, village. <laughs> his village, and then they just come eat there as well. Like I think on set, it's just the, the nicest gesture you can give to someone. Even at the end of um, like certain shooting certain feature films that have been on, like that's also a gift that some crew members give each other, or actors like they give each other like snack boxes or like these baskets of food and stuff like that. And, it's just also like a nice issue. So yeah.
Okay, so this one comes from West Coast Lawyer 2020. Okay, so the title is Film School question mark question mark question mark. Hi guys, my son is a recent high school grad and he wants to be a filmmaker. I've done some research on this and some say go to college and go the film school route like that. Uh, others say you can learn a lot with online filmmakers and start honing your craft that way. What would you suggest? He leans more toward music videos and filming that type of thing. Yeah, what advice would we give? This is interesting because it comes from the parent's perspective, you know. So uh, obviously we were the children in the scenarios. equations, the scenarios. We were, the kids. we were like, Dad, I want to go to film school. And then Dad was like, no. Because yeah, we all grew like, up in Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so this parent uh, wants their kid to, to be... To like have a good life, they're doing research. You know, a lot of parents, when their kids are like, I want to go to film school, they're just like, no, you're not going to make any money. Um, but it's, so it's good to see that that's not true. People are actually so awesome. You're being a very good parent. To, to you, the parent, I would say, do film school. <laughs> so sweet. Okay, yeah, for me, um, yeah, I like that the parents are doing research. I think also just, um, Look at your kid's work ethic, first of all. Yeah. Like, first make sure that this is a good career path for them. Like, with any other career, just, like, maybe sit them down, make sure this is a career path, ask why they want to do this, gauge their passion. And if and if you see that passion within them and stuff, then, okay, you can move forward. But uh, film school is a good step. I think it's the most practical step to see in terms of not just the learning experience, but also the connections you make because you're going to make... come Because if your son doesn't have connections right now, it is... A medium that does allow them to have a lot of connections going forward because if you want to just straight up going to experience it's kind of hard to find exactly what avenue or way to 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 go to to get on set um so film school is the easiest in terms of you make the connections because um a lot of your friends or teachers or lecturers um will eventually when you leave school help you out and getting a job will help you out but you'll have those connections um, your lecturers might bring special guests on and allow you to meet people that way and get like one-on-one -on -one advice like that. So, yeah, um, for us, we're probably biased because we come from film school, but also it's just the easiest way into gaining experience because it's really hard if you want to just go straight off the bat into getting experience to get onto those sets, even at low levels nowadays, you know. So I think um, just for the best practical way, for those connections and for them to have um, growing up experience because I know a lot of people say YouTube you learn a lot but you can do that on your own time while also going to film schools why not do both so yeah I would also say film school all the way uh, a lot of people in the industry poo on it but I think that's because they had like family <laughs> for real no like I've been on set so people said no you should have gave me all that money and came under me but like it's hard to go that route because a lot of people that gain experience go through going straight to set have family members with connections to those yeah. sets and for people that don't have that i say from schools all the way yeah it also depends on where they live in um they didn't specify but if you live in a town that doesn't really have a film community it's going to be very difficult to just go out there and do the thing um if you're living in a city or a town that does though then sure that'll work um or i think also film school is better in that situation because you're either going to send your kid to one of the one of the cities that has a film uh, community, and then they're just on their own trying to do it whatever while you footing the bill. Uh, whereas if you send them sending them away to a different city, might as well just put them in a school that's going to teach them 
the things and give them like a place to go and meet people. I think it's going to be very difficult because like if if you're in a place that doesn't have a film thing, you you've never sort of communicated with people who are film minded, and if you just go to a city, you're like. One film job, please, and it's like it's exactly. not gonna. It's gonna be very difficult. It gives you it gives you some kind of a stepping stone into the future, you know, and it's it's something tangible that you can put your money towards and understand. Like if you just send your kid with some money, go to the city, make it big, you know. Like I think it's something tangible. The degrees tangible. The connections are tangible, and yeah, you know, it's just something that you can really stand behind. I think yeah, I I definitely agree. I I do sit firmly in that camp as well. But I'm just thinking, maybe perhaps if you, if there, if you are living in a, a place where there is already like an established film community, and it says that there, obviously I'm just assuming a bunch of things if this is the case. But um, say for example, it says they are into like music videos and stuff. If they are, if your child is like an extremely like a sort of go getter, and you're already existing in a place, living in a place with like an established film community, then maybe they will just be able to mm. like do it by themselves. True. Um, but I, yeah, as I say, if you don't live in a place that has already have a big established film community, I would say, mm-hmm. even if they are a go-getter and you're living in a place that doesn't have a film community, I think go to yeah. a, an Cause, establishment. Because my thing is like, even if you, you like if you send your kid to film school and you want, and they like maybe thinking, no, if they just keep doing like short films or music videos and their work will speak for it. I'm like, but you can still also do that in film school. You can still make those music videos. You can still yeah. do all of that. So I think it's just like, all of those things can be add with film yeah. school. So I think yeah, that's your answer, like a little yeah. bit in that, yeah. So the question from Perception OK4847 is, how do I scale down my ideas, aka write for no budget instead of high budget? I have over a hundred ideas and concepts written down, but every time I look at them, I can see they would cost five pounds to 50 million pounds. It's quite a range there, bro. Ever since I was interested in filmmaking, I've been so heavily influenced by Hollywood blockbusters with set pieces like car crashes, Car chases, shootouts, explosions, exotic locations, fancy camera tricks and color schemes that I don't know how to look at something actually affordable, which I now realize is closer to under 50,000 pounds. I don't know how to write for that level, plus I realized I'll probably have to direct it too. So I'm completely refocusing myself. My favorite genres are dramas, thrillers and comedy. How should I approach making a no-budget film? I'm thinking I would shoot... Uh, some short forms first, although I don't even know how to write those. What's a good, impactful, under 10 minutes short in dramas, thrillers, and comedies? I have an old Samsung Grand Prime Pro mobile phone with 1080p uh, and 64 gigabyte micro SD storage. Does anyone know how to integrate that into a video and audio setup that would cost under 500 pounds? And what cheap or free editing and sound programs do you use? And what books and YouTube videos do you use? I'm really trying to learn as much as I can before approaching people for collaboration. I think before he goes into collaboration, he needs to take at least, or he or she, I don't know if they need to take at least like a year and a half worth of studying up on filming techniques. Like I don't think this person should shoot right now at all. Yeah. Not to like be douchey about it or anything. I just think judging from it, they said they want to learn. So I think first they learn 
for a good year and a half. You know what's a good place for them to learn? On the timeline and on the page on our YouTube channel. Go check those out. Um, but yeah, I think definitely this individual should not be taking that much. If they can get that kind of funding, don't do that right now. Um, I believe first um, research more. Uh, we'll give some book recommendations. Obviously, Robert McKee's story. Cutting Rhythms by Karen Perlman. Yeah. Um, the, the Hero's Journey. Or well, like there's, like there's a, you just Google it, you'll find a bunch of books. They'll be there. Um, I think you'll yeah, just take some time first to learn quite a bit of it. If you can, I would suggest trying to see if you can get onto some small sets. Even if you're not doing any jobs, if you can just shadow someone, that'd be really cool. Um, I think yeah, the Samsung and all of that things like the phone, like I think once you first learn more about the phone making, you can get more creative with it because we won't want to mm -hmm. dictate you like interesting ways you can use your phone. I think try and maybe research phones that have used low quality cameras that have used maybe one shot like clerks and things like that. Try and see, like watch those references, take a good year and a half before you get into it. Like I remember when uh, Taika Waititi gave me that advice and he said, and I was like, how do you go pitch and how do you make these things? He's like, First, make sure you sit down for a good year or so with whatever story you are and making sure that you know your craft, you learn your craft and you understand everything and then go into it because I think you'll be shooting yourself in the foot if you're just overly ambitious and excited to go straight into shooting something, mm -hmm. spending all that money and then only learning from your mistakes afterwards. I think try and learn as much as you can beforehand. You're going to make mistakes, but try and narrow down that level of mistakes you're going to be making by learning, by putting at least a year and a half of it into it and maybe use that money rather for film school or like a short program or something. Mm. I mean, I don't think that they were saying that they have this amount of money. I think mm. they were saying that their ideas range from this mm. amount to that amount. Um, I think that I'm going to be contrary to what, to your point when you said that don't, I think that if you've got a phone, then definitely use that in the learning process. Shoot little, little things by yourself and cut them together and see how see how it works you know if you aren't gonna go to film school or something or you're gonna learn online then you only got, you're gonna learn the best by actually doing it so i don't think you should like think that you're gonna you know take your phone and make the like a huge thing i think it also might help uh them solve their their uh their first sort of question which was how do i make something like small is and we've said this before like you've got your phone, but then look around, what else do you have? And just write a story using that and then shoot it and, 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 and cut it together. Um, and then that might, might also help you realize the, how you can take all of those ideas you have and make sort of smaller, shorter, bite-sized versions of those ideas that might speak to them mm. um but it's you don't you don't have to have all the budget in the world to explore like interesting ideas, ideas. yeah i think it can be very contained uh yeah i think yeah then i think i definitely must read the question. i thought they said that they did have that amount of money or something like that or no yeah look i also thought that initially but i think towards the end when he was or they were saying how can i use my phone which is a phone that i've never even heard of um <laughs> 1080p whatever and it's like maybe maybe just use what you have and see yeah. what you can make and then and then youtube like literally if you type into youtube beginner filmmaker gear <laughs> you're gonna get tons of stuff yeah. and then they wanted uh recommendations as well for mm -hmm. things um 
We'll put them in the description. Yeah, I'll we'll put them in, in the, the description. description. Off the top of my head, uh, this guy edits, nerd writer, film riot, uh, Cinecom, all of these places. Um, but you'll be able to just, as I say, Google, and then all of the best ones will rise to the top. And also... Um, Loop pictures. Loop pictures. I just want to go back to my point because yeah, I think I completely misunderstood. Then yeah, then I agree because when I was in high school, like I think I spoke about this multiple times, where I also just took my phone, made stop motion things with my like underarm and, and all of that things. And just say your underarm, yeah, like my on like my roll on and all of that. Oh, oh. Not not my actual underarm. Yeah, like my roll on. Deodorants. My deodorants. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I did say that <laughs> with my deodorant with like a bottle of shampoo like I made these stop motion things where I drew faces on them and stuff and it actually got quite like <laughs> following in high school so yeah um, and it's really fun to shoot with those kind of things because a lot of the really good first time directors that use that limitations to make really good films I mean Steven Spielberg used to use his uh, Super 8 camera or something like that to form train crashes and stuff like that on with his um Model train. His model train sets and stuff like that. So, yeah, I misread the the, the comments, but yeah, I think play play around with your, the camera you have, and it can actually make your your story much more unique and make it stand out from the rest. That do try to make this stuff look more big budget, and I think that's what make what will make it stand out. So yeah, um, yeah, something that that we've picked up from a lot of these questions is like people who aren't already into film think that you can sort of just like become a feature film director or get a job on a feature film, which is not really how it works. Um, and I don't know how, like, it's probably just the education thing, probably just the way, like, nobody talks about it if you're not in the industry already. Um, but, like, the big thing is to just start at the bottom, be willing to, because this guy was saying, making a feature film, what this person was saying, making a feature film under 50,000 pounds. But it's like... It's like, then they, then they were saying, okay, maybe I should make short films, but I don't know how to do those. And it's like, don't, like, all people always, like, aim for features immediately, which is not their fault because they don't know. I mean, but you like, are same after, like, at a certain age. Yeah, but, like, as soon as you sort of start digging into it, you realize, I need to practice first. I need to do short films. I need to figure out the small kind of things, which they already phrased, the, which is why I picked the question. They phrased it properly. How do I make my ideas fit or make my ideas smaller. And I think you did answer that. So, yeah, I think they're, like, on the right path. But I think the big thing, like, there should just be, like, a banner. Anywhere anybody asks questions, it's, like, just just be, like, these are the steps so that they don't have to ask, like, oh, okay, so I'm probably not going to make my feature first. I'm probably going to make a short one. Because you, you see a lot of these people who... Um, as they first like practice, make a feature film. I'm not bashing anybody. Sometimes those can be good. You always see them make the mistakes that they would have made in the short films, but on a much bigger budget, on a much larger scale. And then you're like, oh, I made a feature film when I was 19, but nobody cares because it's bad because I didn't yeah, practice before. You, you know? end up like the guy from Commuter from uh, Parks and Rec that was a mayor of a town at 19 and just destroyed their budget. Yeah, exactly. You know, you don't want to just have a bragging rights. Like, I think it, like my goal also was just to like be one of the youngest feature film directors but then like I think your goal should be to get to the space where you're comfortable enough to, to at whatever age you are even if it takes me until I get to my 40s to make my first feature um, I'll be fine with it as long as it's like something I know that I, it, I took the time with and that mm. I, I was patient with myself yeah. in terms of knowing what my skills and, and all yeah because 
because movie, movie making isn't a, a race to the finish line. It's more a race for quality. You know, you're not going to get awards just because you're young. You're going to get awards because it's good. And you don't want the goal to be the awards and stuff like that. Because I remember when I was like young, I was like, oh, I want to be like Damien Chazelle and get an Oscar at such a young age and all of that. But, you know, we can't all be that person and you get brilliant directors that have, of all ages and of all experience types that make such good pieces of art. And it's not because their end goal was to win an Oscar. It's not their end goal was to be the best of the series. The end goal was to serve the story justice, was to make something they believed in. And once you get to that level where you believe in the story, you believe in some level on your, your directing skills and your art and your craftsmanship, then you just make the project that serves for that reason and not for any other reason. Otherwise, it will kind of you you'll kind of see that when you see that someone try to make it the best of this or try to make it that, you know? And I think that feeds in again to the ego aspect of it as well. And yeah, I think last just the last little thing before we read another one is um so asking for recommendations for short films. I mean, Short of the Week is the one to go to, but there's other, there's lots of other places popping up. Um, there's some great ones on YouTube as well. Also, um, suck.co.za. <laughs> Check it out. Check it out. So we have one here from username the on life b-roll's use in the film industry. So they say there's a pretty hilarious conversation going on in a videography. F- Facebook group I'm a part of regarding the term cinematic B-roll. A few people have stated that the term B-roll comes from narrative film world, but with my background in broadcast slash B2B work, we always use the term in reference to supplementary footage to talking head segments. I'm curious to hear from people who actually work on narrative projects. Is B-roll a term that's used? And if so, in what context? That's a good question. I feel like I don't want to answer this incorrectly. <laughs> My understanding of cinematic B-roll isn't necessarily that B-roll is used in cinema. It's the fact that the B-roll that you're catching looks like it could be in a movie, right? Now, to answer the question that they're asking, what is B-roll's role in cinema? I think um, there is definitely, I mean, like... Uh, Aerial shots when people are, when it's like transitioning to a different city. Um, inserts is also a different word for B-roll. I feel like where um, you, let's say somebody's turning on a light switch and then you get like a close-up of the light, light switch. Um, is that B-roll though? Because it's supplementary to the A-roll, which is the... The A-roll. <laughs> That's what you call it. Which would be a wider shot of someone doing the same thing. Yeah, but then, but with the, because like the hand could be anybody's hand, but like the A roll would be with the actor, you know? Is an insert B roll? I don't think, I think an insert, so. I think a B roll doesn't have any like action of the story in it. I feel like it's. But a cutaway is also an insert. No, I think they do no, different. Not an so I think an insert is something that's just a close up. I feel like. Yaku lens for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I a B-roll is something that doesn't have any like real characters in it. It's you know, it's like cutaways of crowds, it's cutaways of of establishing buildings, of locations, of cities, of cars. Like I feel like it's something that's not really character driven in, in B-roll. That's my understanding. I yeah, I don't think there is B-roll in cinema. Yeah, that's what I was confused about. Because it's also interesting that they say B-roll is uh, over the talking head segments. Which makes a lot of sense. Like even documentaries have B-roll. Um, we, well, the B-roll in a documentary isn't like the reenactment. It would be like 
just showing what they're talking about. So I think I don't think B-roll comes from cinema, but I think the the term cinematic B-roll comes from Peter McKinnon, no, but comes from <laughs> comes from YouTubers saying that the shots that they're getting to go along with their talking heads look like they could be in a movie. I think that's I think that's what it means. I don't think cinema movies have B-roll because, like we've just said, they've got inserts, you've got cutaways, but those those aren't like something completely different it's not like while the actor is performing the monologue you're going to cut to the thing that they're talking about you can stay on the actor right yeah. and yeah. I, I, I thought, I thought and i was thinking does it come from like when in cinema when you have a massive crew and you get the b team the a team and all that they go shoot different things but i also don't think it comes from that because yeah. the b team can still be shooting stuff that's the character and narrative driven like when like the b team of like the like the, when the Avengers Age of Ultron when they yeah, came the, second the, unit, yeah. the second unit when they came here like that's also like I agree with you that I don't think B-roll is necessarily something in cinema because in cinema mainly all the shots that you get taken is intentional and mm. oh, most of the case and then when it comes to B-roll I think it's like yeah more for the YouTuber space where I think it's become popular in the past like five years or so where it's just Something for your intro, something for your outro, or like just these. Um, yeah. So you don't have to look at a face all. Yeah, and like for film, those things aren't there just for the sake of looking pretty. It's there to establish something. It's there for narrative mm-hmm. purposes. Um, you could say that cutaways are the cinematic version of B-roll, but not really. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think when you say cinematic B-roll, that is like referring to something that's more corporate or more YouTuber space and all that. So I'm thinking when, like when we're doing our review videos. Um, the B-roll is like the shots that we do with the lights and then it's the camera or the mm. whatever. That's B-roll. Come on, come, well. come and try something interesting. Let me see if I Google B-roll what comes up. That's a good, yeah, let's see. Yeah, I mean, we'll, uh, we'll do a lot of more Googling and we'll put links that we find in the description for this because we don't know as well. I think it'll it's be interesting, interesting to yeah. find out where B-roll originated. In a film and television production, B-roll and B-reel is original B-reel. Or no, you is supplement, supplement, supplemental or alternative footage intercut with the main shot. Yeah. So it's saying it's from film and television. It comes from. And then says in the cutaway is B-roll. Yeah. It's I don't know. My mind. So Yaku was right since the beginning. Then. <laughs> <laughs> According to Google, Yaku was correct. Yaku, that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast and you'd like to watch the video version or any of our other filmmaking videos, head on over to youtube.com slash loop pictures and uh, maybe leave us a like, a comment, a subscribe and uh, go out there, stay safe and, and make your movie. movie.